It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hey, Chris. Hope you had a nice Super Bowl. How are you? I'm good, guys. How you doing? Hey, we're doing great. We had it great yesterday, Chris. We had a jazz game with a morning start. It was at 11 a.m. around here and then going right into the Super Bowl. It was like the perfect sports day for Utah sports fans. Yeah, I kind of like that. The Super Bowl Sunday early afternoon games, uh, at least on the East Coast, it's uh, it's nice to get them get them done. So at least I'm not up till, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning on another night uh, watching these late games. There is a problem, though, Chris. I ate far too much, uh, and I regretted <laughs> it later. But uh, this is part of the experience, right? It, it comes with the territory yeah. on Super Bowl, I'm, I'm sure. Probably a little bit less this year than years past for, you know, lack of major parties. But, um, right. you know, it's still, uh, <laughs> it still is a, a – kids are kind of licensed to do whatever they want with uh, food and, and drink. <laughs> Chris, I want to ask you about the Jazz. Uh, their game uh, last or yesterday, I almost said last night, against the Pacers, they had to really grind it out. They didn't shoot the ball well. They had to, to play defense, and they really pounded the boards. My question to you is, you know, the Jazz have proven in recent weeks that they can beat teams in different ways. What does that say about them, that they could beat a good Pacers team in a, in a different way than they beat other teams? I mean, look, that was – and I caught most of that game. It was one of their more impressive wins of the season, I thought, just – Given the circumstances, you could tell uh, they were tired. No Mike Conley. And, you know, for Donovan Mitchell to, to dig deep the way he did and come up with big play after big play against a, a really good Pacers team. I mean, that's, that's a solid playoff team that they have in Indiana. That was, was really impressive. Now, specifically to what you're asking about, you know, kind of versatility there. I mean, I, I think that yeah, you don't want to read too much into it, but it does foreshadow good things you know, for the future. I mean, one thing you want to be come playoff time is multidimensional and not just need to play one way or one style to, to win a game. Um, to, to be able to grind out a win like that against a really good Pacers team with some really good players on it, um, that showed me something. I, like I said, I thought that was one of their better wins uh, of the season. So I, I think just another another solid win for Utah, another terrific game for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, there's, there's really a lot to like about this Utah team right now. You know, getting back to that a little bit, uh, Chris, a, a, a good example that Jake and I were talking about earlier during those playoff series against Houston a few years ago, when they would build a wall around Donovan Mitchell and disrupt yep. that, that ball movement that Quinn likes to see. Well, now they've got playmakers like Donovan who has adjusted his game and guys like Jordan Clarkson who, who are playmakers. They can, they can thrive in that environment. That's something they didn't have before. No, you're right. Um, you know, offensive versatility is huge, especially against uh, good defensive teams. I think you can throw, you know, Bogdanovic in the mix and his impact on situations like that, his ability uh, to create his own shot and, and make shots, I mean, is, is vital. Uh, the season that Clarkson's having, and look, you mentioned, you know, taking away ball movement. Jordan Clarkson doesn't need ball movement. He doesn't even really yeah. want ball movement, frankly, I mean, half the time <laughs> when he's uh, got the ball in his hand. So that's, you know, kind of instant offense you can create with just one player. I mean, it's, this is probably, I mean, I, 
I think it's, it's probably pretty easy to say, but if they stay healthy going into the playoffs, probably the strongest team they've had in Utah since the, the Gordon Hayward days. And, and that's, uh, uh, that's, I don't know what the ceiling on that is and what that means, but you know, you can't watch the jazz this year and think that, you know, they can't at least compete with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets and these other teams that expect to be there at the, uh, at the end in the postseason. I mean, they're, they're excellent defensively. They've got more offensive firepower around Mitchell than he's had at any point in his first few years in the league. And, you know, they've got a, a bona fide stopper, Rudy Gobert. So I, I think they're, they, again, not to be repetitive, but they're just in a great position right now to, to make a run. I, I still want to see how they play against these top-tier teams. They've, the, the jury's still out on, you know, games against the Lakers and Clippers to come. But, uh, you, know, you know, the way they're playing right now is really terrific. Chris, up next for the Jazz, tomorrow night a nationally televised game against the Celtics, a team that uh, you cover very, very closely. So uh, give us a little insight on the Celtics team and what do you look forward to about this matchup? Well, I mean, they've got two automatic all-stars in Tatum and Brown. Um, Brown might be a starter. I'm actually working on my ballot right now. I I think he probably is a starter because he has played, I think, every game or most games. Um, You know, he's, he's been excellent for them. Um, Tatum is, you know, missed some time with COVID issues, but he's just an absolute force offensively. Um, I thought he was on track to, to join the MVP conversation early in the season. Um, you know, obviously being derailed with that, that time off that he had, you know, probably cost him a little, but these guys are, are tough. They are, they are really tough to stop. Um, you know, the wild card with them offensively is Kemba Walker, who has been very uneven this year. I mean, he's, at least physically healthy after, you know, dealing with that knee problem that cost him the first month of the season. But, you know, he's had some good moments and he's had some really, really ugly moments, including uh, on this road trip. But if he, if he winds up getting it going, um, they're just really tough to stop offensively. They've just got, you know, enough guys to, to be able to put up 115, 120 points on you pretty easily. Chris, do you think there are any all-stars on the Jazz not named Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert? You know, probably not. Um, you know, it's not a slight on those guys. It's just I think that the Western Conference All-Star field is a lot easier to predict than the Eastern Conference field. I mean, as I'm kind of sorting out the 12 guys I have for my ballot, I mean, Donovan's on there, Rudy's on there. Uh, but after that, you know, the, the last few spots are basically deciding, for me anyway, between Brandon Ingram and Zion, um, Devin Booker and De'Aaron Fox, uh, John Morant probably hasn't played enough games in my mind to to warrant a spot on the team. I, I just don't see, you know, look, Conley, I, I would love to vote for Mike Conley. I really would. I mean, the guy deserves, you know, I mean, he, there should be an all-star award of some kind named after him for the number of years he's been, you know, kind of runner-up. I, I just think it's, there's just so many guys that are cemented right now on my ballot and on the ballot of, I think, a lot of people, whether it's Steph or Luca or Damian Lillard, um, it's just going to be really tough for, for anyone outside of Donovan Rue to make that team. Chris Mannix is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, going back to the Celtics a little bit and, and more broadly the Eastern Conference, um, who can you rank in order uh, of kind of contender status? I mean, I'm mainly looking at Brooklyn and how you're reading them, and are they the best team in the East right now? Well, they have the most firepower. Clearly, the question is, are they going to have enough 
capable, sturdy defensive players, um, you know, when they get deep in the playoffs. And right now, they're just signing guys. So they signed Noah Vonley today. They don't even know when the last time he played a meaningful minute. They, you know, dusted off Iman Shumpert to try to give them defensive stops at the wing position. Uh, we'll see what he can do, you know, over the next few months. Uh, as currently constituted, I don't think they're the best team in the East. I don't know who that is right now, whether it's Milwaukee or Boston or somebody else. Um, but I just think when you don't have enough guys that can defend, you're going to get beat by somebody. I mean, the, I, I watched, I mean, again, it was a couple weeks ago now, but watching their two game series against Cleveland, they just get scored on a lot. And I, I just don't know how you, as, as great as it is to have three snipers out there on the floor, there's no such thing as a 10 point play. Like you, 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 if you fall down by double digits, fall behind by double digits, it's tough to, to climb your way out of it. You can't stop anybody. So what I'm interested in with Brooklyn is what happens, what materializes when the buyout market opens up. That's, I think, March 25th this year. I mean, what happens then? Are there players out there like an Andre Drummond or a handful of other guys that might be available that, uh, that you know, gravitate towards Brooklyn and, and fortify them and give them the kind of players they need? Or is this a team they're going to be forced to go into the playoffs with? Because if it is, I think they're going to have problems with Boston. They're going to have problems with with, uh, Milwaukee. Um, You know, there's a handful of other teams. Indiana might give them problems because of the way they defend. I I just – I I think I love what Brooklyn can do offensively, but, you know, winning in the playoffs is is about so much more than just great offense. I mean, the Warriors with Durant won because – in part because of defense. Durant was a great defensive player. Draymond Green was in that mix. I mean, same thing – with you know the the Cavaliers teams that Kyrie played on, I mean if you can't defend at least at a middle of the pack level, I just I don't know how you win a championship. Chris, you mentioned the Bucks; uh, they've been hot lately, winning I think four straight now. But they have the number one offensive rating in the league and defensive rating. They're I think they're like eighth or something like that. Are you a believer there, or is what you've seen in the past not enough to? push you over the top with them yeah they're eighth in defense and climbing i mean they were like 20th a week ago i mean they've they've been they've been a lot better uh, over the last um you know week to 10 days and i think that's only going to continue to grow i mean they were a great defensive team they have been for the last few years uh it was always weird to see them struggle defensively so i think that's going to become a, a more consistent part of what they do I, i'm i'm more of a believer now than i was in the last couple of years that's largely because of drew holiday I mean, Drew Holiday is an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. It's as simple as that. I mean, Holiday is a two-way player. He's not extraordinarily steeped in playoff experience, but what he has has been pretty good. And I think he's going to be a more reliable option, third option, after Giannis and Chris Middleton than, than Bledsoe was or anybody else you know, could be with that team. I mean, as always, it comes down to Giannis creating his own shot. I mean, can he you know, be the fourth-quarter presence they need him to be in these uh, second and third round playoff games, if he, you know, craps the bed like he did, you know, when he was healthy in the second round in the bubble, you know, they're in trouble no matter who is that third option uh, on that team. But if Giannis is playing at this level, if Middleton, who's having a better year this year than he did last year, is playing at this level, uh, the holiday edition, I think, makes them better. So, yeah, I'm, I'm much more of a believer in the Bucks this year than I was in the last couple. Last thing for me, Chris, and I apologize for for sneaking in a football question, but you're there in in Boston. How is that area reacting to Tom Brady winning a a Super Bowl for somebody else? No, it, extremely well. I mean, you know, I I haven't seen what the ratings look like in the Northeast, but you know, 
watching Brady and Gronk play pitch and catch, you know, that I, I can tell you anecdotally from email chains and text messages of my friends from Boston, everybody was, was really excited. I mean, you can't fault Brady. There was obviously a, there's obviously a disconnect between Brady and, and Bill Belichick after two decades together. And that happens with coaches and players, especially ones that team up for that long in any sport, not just football. I, and I'm sure a decade down the line, whether it's Belichick or Brady, somebody's going to write a book about it. And there'll be a lot revealed uh, about that relationship. But, you know, as a lifelong, you know, Bostonian, the guy won six Super Bowls here. I mean, the guy, he did enough. It, it's, it's, uh, it's gravy. Uh, for people from Boston to watch him, you know, win a championship in, in Tampa. And I have to say personally, it was fun watching, you know, him and Gronk, you know, do it all over again after watching them do it for 10 years in New England. So, Jake, you want to remind Chris who picked the Bucks to win? Uh, I picked the Bucks to win. Gordon mm-hmm. went with the favorite. With how, do you, the how, do you bet against, how do you bet against Brady ever? Like, how? how? Oh. Like, that game was a blowout, so it, it, it didn't come down to it, but – I mean, Brady's Tiger Woods in his prime. Like, you know, yeah. fourth quarter, do you, do you really want to, you know, to leave 90 seconds on the clock for that guy? I mean, I, there's, there's no way. He's just, you know, it's like, fool me once, shame on me. Or shame on you. Fool me twice. Fool me seven times. You know, <laughs> shame on, on me. So I, or shame on you. That's a that, – I, I, you can't bet against Brady ever. And, look, the guy is still playing at a high level. <laughs> I mean, the way he played last night, you know, he could be the first – I don't know, I'm assuming it's the first, but the first NFL player to go till 50. Like, it would not surprise <laughs> me at all to see him back there slinging it at age 50. The way he takes care of himself and the way he plays this level, I mean, he's, what's he, 43 now? Be 44 yeah. this yeah. summer, something like that? I mean, it's, it's wild to think how long he could actually play. Has more so Super Chris, Bowl wins than any other franchise, which yeah. is, is pretty amazing. The guy, I, mean, the guy, I mean, the guy takes care of himself in ways that we all probably wish that we did. I mean, I saw an interview he did during Super Bowl week where he's like, no, as soon as the game ends, we're on to next year. And he's probably going to be back in that, whatever, the cryo chamber or whatever it is. And look, <laughs> guys, spending, guys spending money like to, to take care of their bodies is not a, a new thing. But Brady and LeBron have taken it to these extreme levels where they're spending seven figures a year to, you know, just to keep care of their body. And it's paying off. I mean, Brady's 43. And there's probably not five quarterbacks in the league you'd take over him right now. LeBron's 36 and on his way to winning another MVP award. And, and neither one of them, you know, the, 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 hour, the sands in the hourglass aren't running out of either one of them. Like, you, I fully expect to see LeBron playing into his 40s. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Brady playing either near to or at age 50. Now, Chris, let me, let me just fill you in a little bit uh i got to defend myself a little bit for not picking uh, Brady because I, I've been singing Tom Brady's praises all season long, and every time I bring his name up, they start playing Unchained Melody in the background, all right? So th- this has been going on all year long, and the reason I picked the Chiefs is because I picked them before the season started. You know, at that time, I didn't know what was going to happen with Brady and the Bucks. Maybe we all should have seen it coming, but – but I didn't, so I couldn't flip at the last minute. But I, I gotta tell you, I he he's just so far past the greatest quarterback ever. I, I I don't even know how anyone can come to any other conclusion. No, I think he's the greatest player ever. Period. I mean, he's he's like I think Goodell said this during the week, where it's he just elevates guys around him, and whatever team you plop him on, and this is his first year, obviously in Tampa, but I mean, he is just able to to raise the level of play of of everybody around him. And look, I mean, I, I see, I've seen on Twitter, those, 
um, those diagrams of Brady in his first year and how he looked. I mean, the guy looks like he's in exponentially better shape now than he was at age 23, 24, uh, 25. I mean, I, I just have no reason to believe, unless, unless he has an arm injury like Manning did. And we all remember Manning at the end when he had kind of that noodle arm and the Broncos were kind of winning in spite of him rather than because of him. But barring that type of injury, I, I, don't, see, I don't see anything slowing Tom Brady down over the next two or three years at least. And think about what he was doing. He was, he wasn't he, uh, Jake? He was, he was texting his teammates uh, at night uh, this week, saying, "We will win. We will win." This is, I mean, that's uh, that's leadership. Leadership. The, it's it's leadership the to the highest yeah. level. I mean, the guy. I mean, uh, I I still vividly remember the stories of, of Gronk. Like there was a like a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, the the Patriots tried to trade Gronk to Detroit and. You know, Gronk threatened to retire back then, and they asked him why. He said, because Brady's my quarterback. I mean, he, like the, the allegiance that Brady, you know, kind of inspires amongst his teammates is just a part of what makes him great. I think there's only been a handful of guys in any sport that have inspired in that way. Well, Chris, thank you very much for jumping on with us as always. Have a great week. You got it, guys.